Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science as we invite a new expert every week to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions. Isaac Asimov once said the most exciting phrase in science is not Eureka, but that's funny. Respectfully, you can have a bit of both. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr Michael Brooks. How are you doing for cash at the moment, Brooksy? I'm all right, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm not complaining. I mean, I'm not buying Twitter, but, you know, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm all right. Uh, yeah, I mean, at, at the time of recording, Elon Musk has just put in a bid of just over, it goes just over thirty billion pounds to buy the whole of Twitter. So he's now the he's the largest stakeholder. So he yeah, already a nine yeah. or ten percent share uh, last week. Last week, yeah, and then uh, obviously and sort of. Uh, in quite a meta way, on Twitter has now said he wants to make, which is not really the way you do it, I don't think. <laughs> but he's just but, said... I mean, he's not known my... for doing things the way no, they're supposed no. to be done, is he? But he's really? gone, uh, yeah, best and final uh, is, yeah, this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and now Twitter have to go away and, and decide whether they're going to accept it. So by the time you're listening to this, probably we will know Elon Musk may be running Twitter. Will that be a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I kind of like the... Um, it's a Wild like, West just, sort of yeah. vibe, isn't it? I, like, I just like the sort of the balls of it, I suppose. Yeah. We're just like, yeah, I guess I'll yeah, buy that. Would you w- want to be like In, Elon Musk? I mean, would you want to be well, a tech billionaire? Would I want to be a tech billionaire? I I mean, let me rephrase that. Would you like to be a billionaire? Uh, I just, I mean, honestly. Oh, it's I a headache. That It feels like too much. Oh, does I, it? To me, like I don't... I I have no need for that amount of money. I don't think, and and I probably well, nobody does do they? Well, that's yeah. Instinctively, yeah. I feel like no one has no a need for that amount of money. Um, so yeah, like millionaire, great, count me in. Billionaire, not not really. And I think yeah, the stuff that comes with it, the kind of the the scrutiny and like, are you doing good with it? How did you? Crucially, how did you get? How it? did you get all that money? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah. So I think it's probably a no from me. Would you want to be? No, like you, I wouldn't mind millionaire status. In fact, yep. I might do the Euro Millions this mm-hmm, weekend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, good luck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the odds are good, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, there's always that dream of like, oh, you know, that would take away a whole raft of issues. But again, I don't even know that I'd want to be a millionaire. I, I, I'm quite content, really. And I'm not sure I could... I'm, I'm, I think I'm the kind of person who couldn't live with having that much more than everybody else. I'd be really uncomfortable with it. Mm. 
Yeah. I think I'd be a bit more comfortable than you. Yeah. But also uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So what's our question this week? Well, our question this week is, does the world really need another tech billionaire? Eight of the ten richest people on earth are involved in tech, leading some of the world's biggest companies. Tesla, Amazon, Microsoft and Meta, to name a few. We believe the metaverse will be the successor to the mobile internet. We'll be able to feel present, like we're right there with people, no matter how far apart we actually are. How far apart we actually are. According to an Oxfam report, a new billionaire has been created every 26 hours since the pandemic began, and one-fifth of the Forbes 400 now have fortunes in technology. These 80 billionaires are worth an astounding $1.6 trillion. Gone are the days of money solely buying pleasure and comfort. Today, money can buy you political power, global influence, and even the potential to escape from planet Earth. I was once a child with a dream, looking up to the stars. Now, I'm an adult in a spaceship. If we can do this, just imagine what you can do. I want to thank every Amazon employee, because you guys paid for all of this. You're going to do business out here in New York? You got to treat our people right. And so if you can go to Spain, you can give our workers a bathroom break. Ain't that right? In the age of pandemics, rising costs of living, and the climate crisis threatening the fabric of the world as we know it, many people have turned to those who have money for help. Billionaire Elon Musk has sent three batches of SpaceX Starlink satellites over Ukraine since Russia invaded the country more than a month ago. But are they leading the way for world progress? Should decisions on things like climate change really be left to tech billionaires? So that's why this week we're asking, does the world need another tech billionaire? So my knee-jerk is to say no, but actually, sort of, you know, when I've been looking into this and thinking about this, and and, and let's be honest, I like a world with SpaceX. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't mind that being in existence. I also like Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I'm actually thinking maybe yes. Well, yeah, because you think about the, the stuff that they're providing you has become such a such a feature of modern life. We rely on so much of it. Yeah. Yeah. And take so much of it for granted. I mean, the reason that they've made so much money is because the service, whatever it is that they're providing, is so popular. People want it and sort of need it, arguably. No, that, well, that, they, well, that, they, that's moot. They've created a world where you feel like you, you need it. You feel like you need it, yeah. And, and, you know, more power to them, really. I mean, that's, you know, like, you know, you, when you were at school doing your entrepreneurial stealing chocolate and then reselling it, mm. um, you know, that was kind of the beginnings of, you know, if you'd scaled that up, you know, you saw a need, you saw a way to meet it, yeah, you saw did, a, yeah, an yeah. opportunity, uh-huh. and that's kind of what the tech billionaires have done. And when we're talking about the tech billionaires, I mean, they've not just sort of, you know, resold some chocolate or, or, or you know, improved their sort of, you know, shop fronts or whatever. I mean, they've re- a lot of them have really invented something that the world almost didn't know it needed. So, so it's hard to say, oh, they shouldn't have that thing because basically you know that's the way our world works is that you create something that everyone wants you're going to get rich yeah and not only that but creating the market like not just seeing oh okay people want this imagining thinking to yourself i think people will want yeah yeah no no one out there is asking for this i still think they're going to want it yeah i think millions of them are going to want it 
Like you gotta you gotta hold your hands up and say, fair enough, that's impressive. Yeah, I agree. I mean something like like Musk made his money on on PayPal, didn't he? Well, on on a precursor to PayPal that right. then got merged with PayPal. Right. And it, yeah, it was all quite messy at the time. But he actually, I mean, he made his first money when he learned to program like a Commodore sixty four or something when he was still living Old in school. South Africa, mm. and sort of made this sort of game and sold it to a magazine. You know, they printed the source code for right, it. Right. Right. And I think you know that's sort of when he got this taste for you know, oh, I can you know I can do interesting things. And I can find a way to make money. And and when he moved to the States, I think he was pretty much, you know, destitute, but still saw that like there were opportunities here and you code this or, you, you know, people are going to do e-commerce. You know, let's find a way to make that work really well. And then, you know, PayPal grew out of that. Mm. And, you know, Bill Gates sort of, you know, started programming computers when he was 13, sort of worked out how to do it, built this operating system. And, you know, it was something that we didn't know we needed, really. Mm. And, you know, it took over the world, effectively. And then people complain about the fact that, you know, he's got a monopoly and he was very sort of belligerent about people, you know, protecting his patents and stuff like that. Mm. But, you, you know, if you've invented it, surely you have a right to do that. Anyway, well, I mean, yeah, you know. it's interesting. It, it, these are difficult questions. Yeah, yeah. So who have you got for us expert-wise this week? I mean, if you say Elon Musk, <laughs> hats off to you. <laughs> You can keep your hat on. Okay. Um, uh, so for this episode, we've actually, I mean, we've done better than getting Elon Musk in some ways. Right, because right. we've got someone who actually studies tech billionaires in depth. So she's, you know, she's not a tech billionaire herself, but, you know, she basically she is the, the, she the David Attenborough of, of tech billionaires. Perfect. Yeah. So this is uh, Professor of International Relations and Global Risk, Maha Aziz. Uh, and I don't want to sound like a fanboy, but she's pretty amazing, actually. You, you do sound like a fanboy. Uh, well, I mean, so besides being a professor at one of the most prestigious universities in the world, uh, she wrote a best-selling multi-award winning book called Future World Order. Well, and we didn't. No, we didn't. Actually. No, we, no didn't. we didn't. No, we didn't. No, no. Uh, and she gives 15% of her profits from that book to her brother's memorial fund for Syrian refugee charity Peace and Sport. Uh, she's also giving away 50% of the profits from her follow-up book, which is out in June. It's called Global Spring. So she, actually, I mean, she's not going to become a tech billionaire that way, no, is she? Give, giving away stuff away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, So and, and she's done a cartoon book as well, like a VR, AR comic book called The Global Kid. So not just an NYU professor. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. You're right to fanboy. I get it. She she, she sounds good. Uh, so what did you ask her? I mean, presumably, uh, yeah, 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 for her number, but it sounds weird. <laughs> Sorry, Philippa. So um, I'm, I didn't ask her what a tech billionaire is, because you probably know the answer to that. I think I know that, yeah. yeah. Instead, I asked her why people like her study tech billionaires and what makes them so unique. What I've noticed in the last decade or so is that we have really been in the midst of this global legitimacy crisis where we've had uncertainty at the level of geopolitics. It's unclear who's in charge, although at the moment uh, it feels like there's leadership with respect to what's happened in Ukraine and EU and uh, the US and other countries allying against Russia. But I think, big picture, there has been this steady decline in global leadership. Secondly, we've also experienced this crisis of political legitimacy, where in most contexts, democratic or non-democratic, we've seen a citizen pushback against the status quo around the world since the Arab Spring. And what this has led to is the rise of non-state actors 
who have tried to fill the leadership gap. And that's what led to my exploration of, of billionaires, particularly tech billionaires who have become, in some ways, the public intellectuals of this era, where they're trying to fill the policy gap. They're talking about how things will evolve in terms of employment with respect to tech. They've been very active during the pandemic period and even now uh, in this post-pandemic era. So, essentially, he's saying uh, the world's going to shit and tech billionaires are here to save us. Certainly, Professor Maha seems to think that. I'm not 100% convinced of that. Although I have to say, I'm kind of shifting my opinion. The more I look into this, the right. more, you know, I, I think, you know, you can read certain kinds of stuff and we all, we all live in our little bubble, don't we? And I think, mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've been in a bubble where, you know, you sort of kick against the idea of a tech billionaire. But actually, you know, we're starting to sort of see they exist and they're important and sort of like maybe we have to learn to deal with that. And, you know, like, you know, I, I'd like to live in a world without nuclear weapons, but I don't. And I, I wonder if it's the same sort of thing. And you, you, that you then need to realise that actually so many governments around the world are, are impotent or, or corrupt, you know, mm. literally doing nothing for the average person. But do you trust tech billionaires to be any better? Well, like, I, I'm not sure they could be much worse than some of the leaders, you know, the, that we're experiencing. Is there any way of having accountability with them? No. Again, I mean, with some of the politicians, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's very little accountability, it seems to me. But I mean, you know, in an ideal world, we shouldn't have tech billionaires, right? I, I firmly believe that they should be taxed. You know, once the, once you get to a certain level of wealth, you should start being taxed at very, very high levels because you don't need that much money. Nobody needs that much money. And there's, there's what, and what, a clear lack the, of redistribution of wealth. What's the sort of economic argument against that then? Is it that it kind of, disincentivizes growth and innovation if you start yeah so huge. lots of sort of free market sort mm. of economists would say well you know you you need those people the fact that those people exist is just the sign of a healthy economy mm. and so you, you know you to have them is not a problem because everyone's flourishing actually but it's it, it's really it's it's well, kind of horseshit. I, I can see where the, the the problem might be there. <laughs> the everyone's flourishing bit. Yeah, well, they're not that clearly seem not. Like a given. Yeah, so, yeah, so so they sort of say, oh, but we live in this thriving economy which creates billionaires. But mm-hmm. actually, you know, lots of people are not experiencing a thriving economy in any way, shape, or form. But it's not just a problem with tech billionaires, is it? It's it's all billionaires. Yeah. So most billionaires inherited their money, or you know, they didn't like invent something for it. They're not self-made. No, there's fact. a bit of the old, uh, the, the oligarch model. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, crumbling, yeah, <laughs> crumbling, well, uh, the Soviet Union. And, yeah. and uh, buy up some public utilities very cheap and then, and then sell them somewhere down the line for exactly. their actual worth. So a third of mm. the billionaires in the world, according to the stats, are a result of cronyism with governments. So, so those ones you, you should be taxing and, and not celebrating their existence mm. as if they've done something great for the world because they haven't, you know. And the inherited wealth guys, well, same inheritance I mean. tax. I mean, let's take yeah. it away from them. Be like Paul McCartney, who didn't give his kids all the money and said, you know, you've got to sort of make your own way in the world. And it, it's possible to do that. And of course, people are going to be better off if their parents are a bit better off because they're you know going to be better connected and everything else but i just think there is a fundamental inequity but with many of the tech billionaires they are self-made and they have done something that the world clearly wanted 
to have, even though you know, it didn't know it at the time. So the four richest people in the US are Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. Elon Musk, mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, all self-made. Yeah, self-made and undeniably providing a product or products that people really, really want to yeah. use. Yeah, I mean, you you can't take that away from them no. at all. You know, Zuckerberg and Bezos, I think, and and Musk sort of came from middle class backgrounds. But actually, you know, like Sergey Brin of, of Google mm. came from a working class background, you know, emigre from with his parents from Russia, mm. was brilliant at maths, got into Stanford to do maths, you know, worked with Larry Page there and they produced, you know, Google. That's good work, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. Work. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from them, but I still think, you know, there could be policies in place that tax them at a certain point of wealth. I, I wonder about Maha's idea that they're, that tech billionaires are the kind of public intellectuals of the era. I think they probably would like to be. I don't know if I necessarily buy that. Okay, so who would you say are the public intellectuals? Well, yeah. Because I would I, take Bill Gates over Jordan Peterson every single time. Right. Yeah, who are the public intellectuals? So in in the past, you're looking at people like, it's sort of, it's Bertrand Russell, it's sort of philosophers, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, generally, I suppose that maybe that's just my perception. I'm looking for very, very smart sort of philosophy types. Yeah. Who have, see sort of big picture stuff, and I don't really necessarily see that with... But I think that's a past model, whereas now you have the kind of almost the celebrity academic. So you've got somebody like Steven Pinker, Mm -hmm. who, you know, has sort of quite unfounded and quite sort of, what's the right way to put it without getting into a lawsuit? Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm going to let you say what you like. I'm excited. I mean, yeah. he he has a certain way yeah, of viewing the world. Right? He has a certain way of viewing the world, and everything that he you know publishes about it sort of backs that up. Yeah. And you know, I'm not sure that for me is any more valid than you know, say what Elon Musk says in some mm. ways. You know, Elon Musk comes out with a load of shit, and there's a lot of stuff that he says or espouses that I don't stand with at all well it's a real scattergun approach from but, Musk, yeah yeah but you know i mean is he a public intellectual he causes conversations to happen about yeah. certain things yeah. you know richard branson causes conversations to happen about climate change even though i think you know he's he's very much a lot of talk and not a lot of walk hmm. um so in some ways they are at least causing conversations and, and maybe that makes them you know public intellectuals yeah yeah, I guess, I guess actually what I'm realising is I don't really know what I, my working definition of a public intellectual is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just more of a problem for me than them. So I'll tell you what I think is a big problem is that actually when you look at the the list of the world's billionaires, all so, men. Yeah, so few of them are women. All, really. all white men as well? No, uh, not maybe, entirely. Maybe not. Not entirely. Maybe not. Jack Ma founded Alibaba as Chinese. Yeah. Uh, started out as an English teacher, by the way. Um, so, you know, that, that's pretty impressive. Another one that's impressive is Nubar Afayan, who basically escaped Beirut with his parents, invented the Moderna vaccine uh, and, and is, you know, one of the, the new billionaires because of that. Again, positive you, impact you on the world. cannot begrudge that. But I imagine, we'll probably come on to talk about this, but I imagine that there is a distinction to be made between people who have made a huge amount of money, but in doing so benefited society versus people who made a huge amount of money and seemingly haven't benefited society at all. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and presumably it's all yeah. a bit of a sliding scale. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting. So one of the, the British billionaires is a woman called Denise Coates, who's 
basically the family firm was Bet365 and she's taken it over. And there's lots of controversy about the fact that, you know, Bet365, part of the gambling industry, which builds a massive amount of misery onto many people's lives. And you sort of think "Mm, people also enjoy gambling. Lots of my mates love betting on anything that moves, basically. Sure. (laughs) And um, it's really hard to distinguish whether, you know, it's good or bad. You know, it just is part of modern life. So you're asking me to decide whether Bet365 is good or bad. I don't think that is particularly hard. I think you know it is. (laughs) (laughs) Deep pockets they've got. Uh, Yeah, but if you want to sponsor the show, guys, you're so welcome. We'll take a quick break now, but we'll be back after this to discuss whether tech billionaires could make good world leaders, whether Musk's dreams of colonising Mars could become a reality, and of course we'll be hearing Dr. Maha Aziz's answer to this week's question, does the world need another tech billionaire? Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, aside from the, the business that they've, they've come up with that's making them the money, are tech billionaires generally doing good with the money they've made? Well, this is something that I asked Maha about basically how tech billionaires spend their money and how they use their acclaim. There are already examples of individual billionaires, tech billionaires, who are stepping up to support uh, crises that governments are trying to deal with, but it's not so easy. And a recent example is one we're seeing right now, Ukraine. The foreign minister of Ukraine tweeted 
to Elon Musk and said, please help us with maintaining our internet. As you know, Elon Musk has created Starlink, which is satellite internet. And um, he immediately sent Starlink satellite internet in response to this foreign minister. I think that's really something to note and it's positive. It might be worth taxing these tech firms and billionaires to fund UBI, Universal Basic Income. Uh, people like Richard Branson, Jack Ma, these are the individuals in particular who've talked a lot about the, uh, how this might be worthwhile, a worthwhile strategy for governments to consider to see if this could work. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that that's a, um, a very modern and positive thing that's happened with Starlink. Yeah, exactly. And and going back to Twitter, Musk, you know, starts conversations. Through, I mean, he, he uses it as a challenge. He just puts things out there and, and sort of really tries to influence the world. You know, whether you think that's a good or a bad thing. Yeah, mm. he's, he's not just sitting there on a pile of cash or anything. No, no, no. He actually no. is, you know, and, and look at what he's done with SpaceX. And there's lots of complaints that he's used loads of NASA, you know, government money effectively to build that thing. But He's still building stuff, and it services the International Space Station. And, you know, the, if, if the Ukraine conflict has taught us anything, it's that actually we probably need an alternative to that Russian uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> space base. So um, I think, you know, the, there's a general sort of sense that, okay, it's not an ideal situation, but actually there's, there's positive things going on. And, mm. you know, and Richard Branson, you know, sort of discussing universal basic income, I mean, politicians talk about it a lot and it's been around for a long time. Yeah. And it's a conversation we need to have because the increased automation that these guys are actually bringing in many yeah. ways yeah. is going to strip people of employment. It's a conversation that we need to urgently to have. And actually, they can sort of accelerate that process because they have this platform and because they have this effectively like a following and a claim, you know, because of their status as billionaires. Are, are, are any of them pushing for let's have universal basic income that is funded entirely by taxing my wealth? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no, I don't. I haven't come across that anyway. Mm. I mean, I, I haven't even really come across them saying tax me hard, mm. you know, or not, and, uh, not as hard. Would their as argument be. then be you don't need to tax me hard because actually my philanthropic efforts are so great that I'm sort of taxing myself. That is part of the problem. So so Bezos has basically said something like that. It's mm -hmm. like, well, you know, I'm, don't tax me because I know what I'm doing with my money and, mm -hmm. you know, I'll sort it out. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's all very well, um, but it doesn't stand up to a lot of scrutiny. No. You know, Bill Gates is, I think he's sort of promised to give away half his wealth, but that still leaves him with an awful lot of wealth. You know, it's sort of... It's, and he, also, you know, he's, he's, he's running the, the, the foundation with Melinda and, and they've done enor enormous amounts of good in the world. For sure. But, but his wealth has massively increased as well, hasn't it? Like yeah. he's, he, he's constantly... He can't spend he's given, it fast enough, Yeah, he's basically. given away money, Yeah, you know, hand over fist, and yet he's still richer than ever, basically. <laughs> like, I mean, it's ideal, isn't it? I suppose it is, yeah. But, I mean, something's... Something a bit fishy about it. Yeah, I mean, all of these people probably, if you got them in a private room, would say... It's not a great situation, is it, that I've got all this cash. Mm. I can't get rid of it fast enough because I, I try and give it to good things. So that takes time and it takes effort and, it, you know, and you have to, you know, ah, it's definitely difficult. What it is really is such a totem of wealth inequality. It's, yeah. it's hard to swallow. Yeah. Where you just look at these people and you just think, how, 
how can you justify a situation where these people have so much money when you know there are so many people who have so little? It's just it, yeah, it, it, they're they're kind of emblematic of yeah. that. Yeah, um, and and some people may have no problem with that at all. Well, I mean. I mean, I said a third comes from cronyism with government. A third of billionaire wealth actually also comes from inheritance. So yeah. it's literally no, you're not working for it at all. You're not mm. producing anything positive for it. You're basically managing it down the generations. And that's that's poor. And uh, the, the calculations are that the super rich are paying 30% less tax than they should, basically. You know, if, if you sort of work out what you'd expect, mm. you know, that was fair. So, you know, that's billions and billions that's not going to governments that's not being redistributed as, as welfare, as, you know, healthcare and that kind of thing. But then, you know, when you look at redistributing wealth, like universal basic income, that's a really complicated conversation to have. Yeah. And it's not as easy. It costs a lot of money. It costs a lot lot of money. money. Yeah. I mean, if you're, I mean, so, so people have run pilot projects. So like in Finland, they ran a pilot project where they gave people the equivalent of 430 quid a month. So they gave 2000 people that money and it had really positive effects on their uh, uh, mental health, their stress, you know, their, their sort of quality of life, you know, really sort of positive outcomes. And the, the Welsh government's starting one now, giving £1,600 a month to all 18-year-olds leaving the care system, Yeah. right? So, you know, just to sort of help them on their way. And that will no doubt be a positive thing. Yeah. But all the schemes that have gone on over the decades around the world, they've all been sort of short-term and small scale. Short term and small scale, yeah. And actually yeah. the evidence gathering around them as well has not been brilliant. So so it's easy to pick holes in those claims of the positive effects, mm. which means that nobody has to actually implement it because there's not enough evidence to say this is a good thing. And actually, you know, if you scale those kinds of things up, you're basically using up your entire sort of gross domestic product, just giving it away to, to citizens. Well, I remember when um, in 2015, when Natalie Bennett, from the Green Party, they had a, a sort of universal basic income in their manifesto. And I think she was saying something like, give everyone £72 a week. Um, and she did a, a really uh, cringeworthy interview with, I think it was Andrew Neil around the time of the election, where she hadn't quite costed it up or couldn't remember the cost or, or something like that. Um, but when you did crunch the numbers, it would cost £280 billion. Um, and that is a big old whack. Yeah. And, you know. And I and I bet as well that they hadn't factored in whether that included, you know, stripping it away from the NHS. If these people have got money, maybe they need to buy private healthcare. You know, what happens to disability benefits? Are they absorbed into that kind of thing? And those are the sort of conversations that, mm. that you know, we don't really yet have going on to, to sort of solve this problem. But, I mean, I can't help but think you know, with the rise of AI, the the sort of, you know, the way jobs are going to be taken over over the next sort of 20 yeah. years, we really need to give people some kind of safety net. Yeah, it, it feels um, it feels almost inevitable. And and it's something that um, people don't really want to engage with. And, and it's quite easy not to, because there's that argument, isn't there, which is, oh, no, there's always this panic. You know, the Luddites had this panic yeah. around the Industrial Revolution. It's like, yeah. oh, the machine's going to take all the jobs. But new jobs always come in. Yeah. Um, and well, the trouble is they come in like a generation later. It, well, there's a lag effect with, with that kind of thing. Yes, and this is a demonstrably very different transition because there's nothing really left that humans will be better at or very few things because this is sort of taking over the, the job of the human mind. 
in a, a lot of yeah. automation. Yeah. It's not just grunt work. It's not just physical labour. Um, so, yeah, jobs are yeah jo- jobs are going to disappear, and and so, but there's still going to be loads of people, and they're going to need to live. So they're going to need to have some money. Yeah, <laughs> money's yeah. going to have to come from somewhere. Yeah. And it's really hard to see where it comes from, other than the state. Yeah. So I mean, given that that politicians haven't made decisions and and are not great at making decisions, I mean, what do you think of the scope of having tech billionaires sort of come in and say, do you know what? Let us, let us, you know, we've run these successful companies, we've invented stuff, we've solved problems you didn't even know you had. Maybe, you know, maybe these people should be actually state leaders. Hmm. It's something I asked Maha. I wouldn't be surprised, frankly, if in the future we have a tech billionaire who is the leader of a country because they have the vision, they have a sense of how life will evolve and potentially will be in a better position to introduce policy that can deal with these changes. If we can have a, a former reality star or a comedian, as we see in Ukraine, why can't we have a tech billionaire? I mean, it's a fair point, isn't it? If Donald Trump can become the president of the United States of America, then why wouldn't you have... All bets are off. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, exactly. Anything yeah. could happen. And people said it when Ronald Reagan became president, didn't they? It's like, mm. but he's, you know, he's an actor. He does Westerns. You know, why is he the leader of the free world now? And actually, you know, it, you can argue about whether he was a good president or not, but he wasn't the worst president. No, no. Because then Donald Trump yeah. came along. <laughs> um, and so from a, from a technology perspective, clearly a lot of these companies are very forward thinking that's the whole point of them but not necessarily ethically forward thinking uh in terms of their business practices and how they treat their employees and things like that yes so um that's a really tricky one isn't it because we've you know we've both read the articles and heard the stories about how people are treated in amazon's warehouses yeah um you know you you get these sort of shock stories about um people being forced to work 100-hour weeks at Tesla because Elon's decided that he wants to up production. And I sort of have quite mixed feelings about this, actually. I mean, I think I think if you're, if you're working in an Amazon warehouse, mm. you're probably not in a good position to sort of make a decision about um, your working life and, and how, how you get work-life balance. And that actually might well be true if you're not working for a tech billionaire as yes. well you know you might just be in a position where you just have to do what you have to do to pay the bills mm-hmm. and you know there are people i know in this country who work three jobs to you know to be able to sort of feed their families and that's that's how things are and they have no power and no control so i don't think it's exclusively a thing about amazon no but no, all these no. things get amplified because you know you can say jeff bezos the richest man in the world and yet he treats people like this it's absolutely appalling mm. um but actually i know people who have terrible bosses in just like you know, middle management yeah, yeah. in in you know shitty little companies yeah and, it's, it's and not humans are, so. are horrible some of them mm. are horrible people and they become horrible bosses and uh, they treat people horribly. And the tech billionaires are probably the kinds of people who are quite focused on just getting the job done and not thinking about the human cost. Uh, and that probably should change. Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely should change. Yeah. But I don't know if you can fundamentally change the character of someone who, who operates like that. The, the thing that's always made, made me really uncomfortable about somewhere like Google 
Um, so I don't know if you've ever been to Google's offices. No. Google's offices are absolutely incredible. Right. Like, genuinely. So all, all of the food and drink is free, and it's really like, it's it's like eating in a restaurant. They've got a, a sort of incredible terrace. I'm talking about the one in, in central London. Looking out across uh, across the London skyline, you can get like on-site massages. There's the, you, you, I think there's a pool there. I think there's like a running track. There's gyms. There's, there's places yeah. you can go and like have a snooze. All, like it's, it's sort of the perfect office setup. And they say... You don't have specific hours you have to work, so come in whenever you like, um, leave whenever you like. You don't have specific holiday allowance, I don't think, so take as much holiday as you like. Right. And you're like, well, this all sounds great. Like They're treating their, yeah. treating their workers really well. But unfortunately, and they know this, what happens is people take less holiday than they would if you yeah. gave them an allocated holiday. They work longer hours than they would if they had regular working hours because you are because you don't really, A, you've created an environment where you sort of think, oh, well, I can I can do some of my other stuff. Like I can eat all my meals at work, so I will. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, can, I can go to the gym at work, so I will. Yeah. Um, I can have a little, I can sleep it, so I will. Effectively, all ways of keeping you in the office and people are actually more productive, do more work for you. Yeah. Because you've created this environment and this setup, which sounds like it's going to do the opposite. But they're still having a nice time, aren't they? I mean, I, as someone who's uh, self-employed, right? You know, I, I, I think, I, I think I, it's hard for us I to get into, yeah, the, into the mindset. Like I, I take the minimum amount of holiday, effectively, because nobody's paying my holiday. So, uh, yeah, I yeah, so w- you understand. Yeah, yeah, I don't have a salary. So, you know, they have a salary and all of this. Mm. And... And I can understand Google sort of saying, you know, let's make the work environment as good as possible for people and let's give them responsibility for their own hours, you know, which I but have. It's, but it's not, I don't believe it is motivated by trying to make no, the workforce happy No, it's not, but it, it's a all. win-win, isn't it? Maybe, maybe. I mean, what what's the negatives? These people have no home life and... Yeah, no, like it's probably going to be bad for your home life and you're, and you're not going to have as much... Uh, but holiday. Like, I think, many I think, of them I think maybe life balance wouldn't, is going to be. Maybe many of them wouldn't have had much work life may, balance may, anyway. May, maybe it's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I think it's sort of. I feel like I'm coming across. Y- yeah, you, 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 bad you, here. you're an yeah. apologist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. It feels Listen, like it. If people are doing 168 hour weeks in, and enjoying in the, the gym and, and having the a great time, food? what's the problem? I'm on they, your side, Elon. What they, he, yeah, he's grubbing around for a bit of Elon's money. I mean, he's got plenty spare. Um, we, I think, we can agree that they they have some some quite mad ideas, and crucially, the money to make them happen. Yeah, and yeah. That, that is why loads of money into space because it's not really an option for any of us, is it? Um, so it makes me wonder: could the could the billionaires? eventually just leave leave Earth, <laughs> just piss off to Mars or whatever, uh, and leave the rest of us behind. Well, I asked Maha whether we should be nervous about that. I don't think they should be nervous. I don't think these billionaires are trying to steal anyone's kids and take them to Mars. Don't worry about that. I would say that to them. I think they should, again, look at what these billionaires are doing for good. I think that is what's important. How are they filling the gap that government has left in the last decade? What could be a game changer is the fact that decentralized tech, um, crypto, that can be a way to elevate all of our wealth and reduce poverty, big picture, satellite internet, like I mentioned earlier, that 
Elon Musk is responsible for. He's basically trying to make the internet accessible everywhere in the world, including rural areas, including countries perhaps where governments regularly clamp down on the internet. That can be a game changer. That can create opportunity for that person's child to have more education, to have more opportunity in terms of jobs. So these tech billionaires are trying to move us into the future and make sure more of us are connected to it. I'm starting to think that Mahar is uh, sort of petitioning for the role of Elon Musk's press secretary <laughs> when, when, he, when he becomes president, or he's just going to run his campaign. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we cannot have President Musk. Let me just stress that, because he's an idiot when it comes to Mars. I, mean, I firmly believe. Also, I think the fact he was born in South Africa. Yeah, that, that'll run yeah. out. So that's, that's good. I'm, okay. I'm pleased about You're that. Okay. Yeah, um, there's the, the sort of they can definitely do something and some of them you could imagine as as president but the whole space thing is is just got out of hand i mean because you know musk wants us to go to mars and and says you know we can terraform mars we can save humans into the next generation we can create you know a, a colony and it's just nonsense we cannot do any of that it's just too hard and we can't you know we can't just abandon this planet as if it doesn't need the input of billionaires mm-hmm. to actually make it a better place and to you know to sort out problems that we have right here right now so you know that, that's it's the thing poor, about terraforming really yeah. mars isn't it that it's unbelievably difficult it's not to say that we couldn't do it but why are you you wouldn't what, want like, to why? do it why why focus your attention elsewhere focus your attention a bit closer to I home. mean I'd rather live on antarctica than mars Oh, I mean, uh, yeah. And I'm not going to Antarctica. No, I just don't understand the obsession with, like, let's let's establish a colony Mars on Mars. Mars would be absolutely, for the avoidance of doubt, fucking miserable to yeah. live on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. N- just nothing, nothing for it at all. And, I mean, SpaceX is important. I think, and as I said before, mm. you know, what he's doing in terms of giving us uh, uh, the ability to go into space, maintain satellites, that kind of thing, maintain the ISS. That's important. And I think that's great that he's done that. And I don't really have a problem with him using government money to do that. Well, no. Mm. Um, so that's why. I mean, what Ma says about decentralising money as well, that kind of crypto Yeah, thing, how's that solving poverty? I don't think it will. I mean, I, I, I think it's that's the kind of wet dream of, of the tech sort of, elite isn't it mm. to say oh you know we've got crypto and you know because they've got crypto i mean yeah. i haven't got any crypto i've got no crypto. you've got no crypto mm-hmm. uh, and, and and so none of us wanted to to actually succeed uh but you know governments are starting to sort of say you know we can use this a bit but it'll be alongside normal currencies there's no way you know we're going to have the whole world running on crypto partly because it's a it's an absolute disaster so? no i don't think so you don't think now that's a transition or happen? I, d- I don't. I mm. really don't. I think mm. governments will retain some control over uh, their economies and their finances. I don't think it will all become decentralised. By launching their own crypto? Well, I mean, but potentially, but then is it, if it's state-owned and state-run, is, is, is it, it really is it crypto? crypto? I suppose no. I would say not. So so mm. I don't I don't think all of the tech solutions that the tech elite sort of see as being like this is the way forward. I don't think by any means they're going to be solutions. I think you know they're Did just sort you, of, you know, nice ideas. F- fine if you don't. Um do you know in what way decentralized currency is supposed to solve poverty? Like what's the what's the kind of theory? Well the theory is it gets you away from things like, you know, 
people betting against your economy. So a national economy, like George Soros famously yeah. shorted the pound and made yeah. absolute bucket loads mm-hmm, of cash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and it's sort of basically, you can't do that to cryptocurrency. So yeah. it's it's a stability thing. So it's just about stability of... Yeah, but that's, sort of, that's the... So that stops, I'm just it, it thinking stops. about the sort of individual level, I suppose, and I don't quite understand how it impacts the individual. No, I, I don't see how it makes you know somebody who's poor now. I yeah, don't see how, how it makes does, them. How does it doesn't lift them, them up. Yeah. No, I, I, hmm. I don't know. get in touch with the show if you do know. I mean, someone will know. Hopefully. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm just not convinced that crypto is the answer that people seem to think it is. So we don't think crypto is the answer. We definitely don't think Mars is the answer. <laughs> um, so. Does the world need another tech billionaire? I think, and I know we've asked the question, it's maybe not quite the the right question because whether we need it or not, there will be more tech billionaires. So I would say, yes, from that perspective, like if there's a, there are needs that need to be met, right? And there are evolving futures, you know, Mm. that are technological Mm -hmm. that will produce more Mm. tech billionaires. And they will, in some ways, I think overall, make the world a better place for the likes of you and me, at least. Well, it's kind of, it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you imagine a sort of thought experiment where you're like, okay, the next tech billionaire is someone who comes up with a way of reversing the adverse effects of climate change. Yeah. What, when whatever that is, that that's the thing that he's brought, yeah. he or she has brought to the world, and they've made an absolute shit ton of money. And I think everyone would be like, that is absolutely fine. Exactly. You enjoy yeah. yourself. <laughs> so it's like the guy with the Moderna vaccine, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. Absolutely like, thank brilliant. You. Thank you. So yeah. yes, we need another one of those. Mm. You know, we will have a problem that we need to solve mm. and we need another tech billionaire, sorry, a tech expert who will become a billionaire through that. Yeah. I mean, ideally they'd be taxed and, and they would never become a billionaire, but that's not going to happen. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's a policy issue. That's not, you know. So I would say yes, I think we do, or we will need another tech billionaire. But, um, you know, let's, let's see what Maha has to say. There will be more tech billionaires going forward. What we need to decide is how do we work with these tech billionaires to help tackle some of these key global risks or challenges that governments are struggling to solve. Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? it? It's sort of, is there a way of focusing the attention of tech billionaires or would-be tech billionaires onto the right areas? And I suppose if you're a sort of free market liberal type, you would say, well, the market will take care of it. Yeah, yeah. Because the people will identify the places where they can make money and those will be the places the need is greatest. But as you said earlier, you know, but is that there true? is a huge need in climate change and nobody has come no. up with a technological solution for that. No. So, you know, you can't sort of risk, well, you can't just hope ones. that happens. No, no. So, But I don't know how you push it either. No, no. I mean, my ideal would be that the tech billionaires actually get together and say, do you know what, guys, we need to just give it all away and be taxed properly. Let's, let's pressure governments to tax us properly. Yeah, that. Or you somehow convince them all to kind of like lump together a load of their money and run a prize where you set sort of 10 key objectives that are good for the world. And you say, right, here here is a shitload of money to anyone who solves these or comes up with a solution. We've but kind of had that, know. haven't we, yeah, though, we with have. the Google X prize and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. various things like that. 
Yeah. But would would that kind of scaled up massively? Would would that work? I don't know. No, I don't think it would because I think I think I honestly think a lot of people who solve tech problems are not motivated by money to do so. No. I think they just find them interesting and yeah, they see yeah, something yeah. that that I mean they might see an opportunity, you know, that, that has a future market. But if you say I'll give you a you know 100 million quid to solve this thing, it doesn't motivate them any more than somebody saying there's this problem here and I reckon you could probably solve that. Yeah, so maybe you don't need... And we'll the, pay your salary, you know. Yeah, you don't need the financial incentive. You just need to somehow identify what those things are yeah. and point people in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Go, This might be interesting. Yeah. Have a look at this. Yeah. Clever clogs. Yeah. And they can have that idea for free. Yeah. <laughs> maybe mean, not for free, actually, if you're a billionaire listening. Who's... I mean, who's picking the, um, the objectives? I don't know. <laughs> Ultimately, with your idea, of they should all just be tax to high heaven so that they're not billionaires you then get into the really key question which is who do you trust to spend all that money better these tech billionaires or governments and i don't <laughs> and i don't know if the answer to that is obvious no i don't either eureka is a stack production presented by dr michael brooks and rick edwards the production team is temi adebayo katie baxter luke moore and charlie morgan sound design by katie baxter special thanks to today's expert professor maha aziz if you like the show which let's face it you did please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast it does make a massive difference you can also find us on twitter at eureka pod thanks very much Eureka is a Stack Production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.